Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, welcome to the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today I'm joined all the way from Humble, Texas by James Carlisle, the head brewer of Ingenious Brewing Company. Thanks for joining me, James. I mean, I appreciate you having us on, Chris. Yeah, I, um, I'd never had the opportunity to have any of your beer until a few weeks ago at the um, Oozle Finch uh, Friends with Benefits uh, Sour Festival, but I had been a long admirer of your glassware leading up to that. Like the, I mean, basically just almost every glass you guys put out, I love, um, but you don't sell them online, so I don't have any. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so most of our like our in-house glasses, like the tap room uses, uh, you can buy those online. But like when we do like our one-offs, it's brewery only. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we don't necessarily allow proxies on those because uh, secondary market on those is kind of absurd sometimes. Yeah, they're the. I haven't gotten to the point where I can convince myself to spend that much money on. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have them if I didn't work here. Yeah, but yeah, people people love anyone who hasn't seen them. The, I would would you is the Infinity Gauntlet one the most popular? Yeah, that one's up there along with like the Mega Brain glasses that we did with the answer. Um, but Gauntlet's up there as well too. Uh, we have a couple of STEM glasses that came out when we first opened that are just you can't find them anywhere anymore. The um the one for May the fourth this year was pretty sweet too. The that Death one, Star the Death Star twist on your logo. Yep, yep, yep. The logo behind us here. Uh, we also had even had shirts of those made too, so that was uh, that was cool. But uh, yeah, we we've, we're lucky enough to have a cool enough logo to where it's easily brandable uh, and relatable too, as well. Uh, so people see that hot brand and they kind of instantly know, oh, that's ingenious. Yeah, and it kind of it it kind of works well to just twist it around into anything too, where you can morph it and it's still recognizable. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So. And if I remember correctly, Ingenious has been around for three years. Yeah, we hit three in March. Uh, this past this past March, I uh, hit three years old. And how long have you been with them? Uh, I've been here for two years. Actually, yesterday was my two year anniversary. Oh, well, happy anniversary! Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Um, where did you uh, brew somewhere before coming to Ingenious? Uh, or uh, I did two years prior to Ingenious. Uh, I was the brewer at Whole Foods Market. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, but Whole Foods actually has a, a brewery and it's located here in Houston, uh, in our Galleria area. Put me into the list of people that had no idea that they yeah. had <laughs> that yeah. they had a brewery. Uh, a lot of a lot of people in Houston called it kind of the hidden gem uh, brewery. Not many people knew about it. It was tap room only, um, but uh, we ran that for for a couple of years, uh, and then uh, from there just jumped over here to Ingenious. So do you, and and it's completely fine if you don't know the answer to these questions, um, but I'm going to throw them at you anyway and just say, Chris, move on. If But um, do you know, like, what was the thought process of the name Ingenious? Uh, that would uh, that would be a Justin Jerfy question, who's okay. the owner. <laughs> I feel like he kind of changes it up every now and then. But, oh, that's uh, funny. <laughs> I, I know for the most part, like, so him and uh, the other owner, uh, uh, Mike, uh, they did their residencies in Pennsylvania. 
Uh, so they were up there in PA where a lot of breweries were kind of doing uh, it's kind of the same similarity to styles of beers that we do now here. But, uh, you know, Justin lives lived in Houston, uh, but did his residency in, in, in PA. Uh, so he kind of talked Mike in, who at the time was a home brewer, like, hey, man, there's nothing like this that's happening right now in Houston. Let's let's open up a brewery. And they kind of said, screw it, let's go. So uh, uh, they moved everything back down here to Houston and opened up a brewery and rest is uh, history. It is, I don't think it's the case anymore, but uh, Texas kind of lagged craft beer wise the rest of the country right but it, yeah, yeah. it's coming uh, on strong in the last few years yeah legislation at least uh here you know in texas has has changed to help better breweries uh i say probably five years ago there was maybe about 30 breweries uh in the houston area you know third fourth largest metroplex in the country uh but we're now up to about 85 uh, so a lot of uh, microbreweries opening up, a lot of good breweries opening up, and we're still kind of starting to get our name uh, out there as far as being legitimate in the craft beer industry. So that's, uh, it's not many for part. such a large area. It's not. It's, it's really not. Uh, you know, it's you know we're four million people in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, but we're we're you know it's continually you know growing, con- uh, constantly growing. So I think we've got another four or five slated yeah. open you know, by the third quarter of this year. So. Yeah, when last year I had Marcus Baskerville on, and I was shocked at how few breweries there were in San Antonio. Like, it, yeah. like you just think yeah. of like these huge cities, you just expect them to have a ton. Because right. I mean, yeah. I'm in tiny little Frederick, Maryland, and we <laughs> have twelve. <laughs> right. But it, it was the same thing in Maryland too. Until until laws were changed, there there were also hardly any throughout the entire state. Yeah, I mean, not only that too, but we had it. We made it difficult for other out-of-state breweries to even want to come into Texas because of our labeling laws required uh, a really different label uh, than what would typically be on a brewery spirit just to be able to come into Texas. So a lot of breweries said, "I'm not going to spend all the time and money to change the label just for one state." Well, uh, but those are all. What What did they require? It was the alcohol content. So anything, I believe it was anything over like four percent had to be considered uh, like a malt beverage. Okay. Uh, so breweries didn't want to put malt beverage on their on their IPAs. That yeah. Seven. You know. So it's like yeah. So why do that? But that's since gone away. And since then we've started to see a lot of uh, a lot bigger breweries. Like we just got uh, Toppling Goliath is just now being able to distribute to Texas. So they're in uh, they're in the state now. But there's a lot of other breweries over the course of the last couple of years that have been able to start like Parish or uh, uh, they were you know, about two years ago they were finally able to come into Texas. But and vice versa. A lot of us, it's making it easier for us to get out uh, outside the states now as well, too. So uh, we're in about four or five different states outside of Texas, as well as the UK uh, now, and it's opened a lot of doors for us. So, what? So, what is the thought process behind that? Because that seems to be a much more common thing lately of like breweries that have a pretty big following and are popular. Like instead of expanding out into fur- into the U.S. further, starting to distribute overseas. Um, it's just another one of those things. So the states that we're in right now, uh, we make enough beer just to be able to get those states uh, taken care of with enough product to be able to go on their you know, shelves and be able to sell. Um, but a lot of times, the like the out of country uh, players, they're the ones who actually contact us and. 
they tend to kind of uh, make it worth your while, if you will. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. So they, so, they you know, some of those things, and they'll they'll take you know they'll take product that might be like you know three weeks older, as opposed to like when you know we sell stuff out here at the tavern. People want what's you know they want what's new, like that. So anything kind of gets left over, uh, we'll send that off to, to the UK. But you, you cut out there for a second. Last thing I heard was three weeks. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's like basically it's like if we have any kind of product from a big release that's left over after about three weeks, that's what we'll send over to the UK. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's like once you've kind of saturated our market here locally, uh, if there's not a certain state that wants that uh, release or not, then so the UK will reach out to us like, hey, we want it. So is is it kind of like the that um, overseas they don't have a lot of the these more uh, creative styles in the U.S. Um, so they're willing to pay that extra premium to get it shipped over to there. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that could be definitely a big big uh, influence on why they this they, they want the product. I know I've got a, uh, a buddy of mine who runs uh, a brewery, uh, Fox Friday, out in. Uh, uh, out in Taz, out in Australia, and uh, people over there talk about us all the time, and we've yet to even have a drop over there. But uh, it's just one of those things where people are like, wait, this IPA has lactose, strawberry, vanilla, marshmallow in it. Like, what the hell is that? And yeah. uh, they get it, and as soon as they get it in, they're calling us the next week, like, hey, we need more. <laughs> it's it's a that that whole um, trade trading and muling culture really has expanded the footprint of breweries without them putting any effort into it <laughs> and exactly. i guess probably making it easier to expand whenever you're ready to because people are already clamoring for your product yeah yeah i mean that's kind of also what we do here in the states it's like we'll go to uh like we actually okay so like the oozle finch thing uh we had been out to answer uh, uh that week to brew with them uh uh, Uzel Finch brewed with them, but uh, like being invited to these uh, to these events is basically whenever we're able to make connections, go out and brew with people, and kind of hang out with them, or bring some of our beer along the way, and we get feedback from that brewery. You know, a week later, like guys, like your your beer's killing it out here, and then vice versa. Like we'll get you know Uzel Finch kegs in or answer kegs in uh, here at the brewery, and everyone's just like, oh my god, like get more of that stuff down here. So that's. A really good way to kind of help build your brand is having other breweries do it for you so we kind of have a symbiotic relationship there yeah. so we bounce with each other and do all that stuff all the time man. is um so are you sending kegs or cans uh to the uk uk gets cans okay so they get like an indestructible pallet you know it gets built uh by me or one of the guys in the back and it goes in a refrigerated shipping container okay it's about six days to get over there uh yeah it hits the dock and they 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 get rid of it. Are there um, are there distributors over there that specialize in that type of thing, or is it just like through normal distribution channels? I'm sure there's like specific. We actually have a guy named Josh who's like we have. He's strictly just our distribution manager. Like that's all he handles. Uh, but it does kind of sound like there are like like separate entities as far as like distributors go that simply mm. just bring it outside product outside of the country. And then sell it to you know local distributors there in the UK, and then they divvy it up however they see fit. Yeah, where I think it's Adroit Theory. Are you familiar with them? I'm not. There, there's a it's a heavy metal themed. Um, they're 
a lot of their can art looks like it could be um an album cover for a heavy metal band um and they uh they're i think it's japan maybe i can't remember where but like they ship pallets and pallets of beer to like a random other country in the world like that they, yeah. that they somehow became super popular in <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean let's say that's kind of the thing that happened with us with the uk so I, mean, I think we even shipped them glassware uh, this week. Uh, That's they cool. wanted glassware. <laughs> so they're all right. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a real quick sponsor break. Um, and we get back. Uh, I guess we'll, let's talk about uh, what the brew house and everything there is like. Um, so really? we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. So what um, what size of a brew house, and uh, I, I guess basically just... In general, because I've never been there, what is it like at Ingenious? Okay, uh, so we brew on a t- oversized 10-barrel system, uh, which I can get about 15 barrels uh, out of if I ask it nicely. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a two-vessel system. We so have, so uh, every brew day, you just have to sweet-talk it and then... <laughs> I do. I do. If I play the wrong music it doesn't like, then it, it'll, it'll, you know... But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Mash tun, uh, boil kettle. We have an HLT as well too, and then we also have uh, a direct inline cold liquor, so we don't have a CLT tank or anything like that. Uh, we've got ten fermenters ranging from five to thirty barrel. Um, no bright tanks; they're all unit tanks, so we're able to condition and carve okay. and cold crash and do all that stuff in, in each tank individually. Um, we uh. Uh, believe it or not, like the system is kind of, it's a very, really nice system, but it actually was, believe it or not, kind of pieced together because when we first opened or when they first opened three years ago, uh, the company that we were going through to get uh, a brew house actually ended up kind of screwing us over, lost about a quarter million dollars. So we've actually paid, yeah, so three years in and we've paid Oh, was it that, um, what was the name of that company? Uh, It's it's probably the one that you're... uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Because there was like a, it, they like ripped off tons of people, right? There was like uh, dozens of breweries that they. He's going to federal prison. Yes, I, it <laughs> is. It's definitely the same. The same story. I'm thinking. There's yeah. a big. I want to. I think it was good beer hunting article about yeah. the company. I think they did one. Yep. 
Oh, that's uh, awful. Well, I'm yeah, glad they so, were able to rebound from that because, like that, that could sink a lot oh, of yeah, uh, places in planning. Yeah, especially you know if you're not even you don't even have your feet on the ground, um, and you've already you're already out you know quarter million dollars. Uh, so, but they they were able to kind of uh, uh, kind of ch- change gears, and they actually ended up getting like a three and a half barrel Blickman uh, system just to start actually pumping out beer to get beer uh, out uh, you know out the door. Uh, so they were able to kind of float on that until probably about six months later, we were able to finally secure a, a 10 barrel brew house. So, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's in the, that's in the past now, but yeah, we've, uh, in the last, since, uh, February, we've added two more 30 barrel fermenters. Uh, we're actually, uh, looking at getting possibly another three more. Uh, so that we had, that happens before the end of the year. We basically quadrupled our production since January of this year. Uh, were you, so it sounds like you're one of the breweries that found yourself selling way more beer than ever over the last year during quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, man, that was, uh, that was definitely the case. Um, it, it made us kind of, you know, play hands that we weren't ready to play it. Um, before COVID, uh, we were doing a lot of like taproom only small batch style, uh, beers, which drove in people from the, you know, from the streets into the taproom. Uh, but we weren't be able to be open. So we actually, what we had to do was at that time, we had to purchase our own canning line um, and started canning on ourselves, uh, you know, here at the uh, brew of ourselves. Beforehand, we were using uh, a mobile canner. Okay. Uh, but they were, no lo- they were no longer running as well, too. Uh, so we had to buy our own canning line. Oh, they have the, the your mobile canners shut down during the... They did for a while. And not only that, but remember that there was a whole can shortage. Yeah. Well, so, so like up up here, um, the mobile canners never stopped, but a lot of people bought their own one because of the profit margins of canning yourself. Yeah. Like the ROI eventually yeah. makes it much more profitable to buy one. But exactly. also because everyone had to go to canning, <sighs> the like to get time slots with the mobile canners up here were impossible. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of how it was. There was only I think out of the three crews that the from the company that we were using, only one crew wanted to actually run during COVID. Okay. Uh, but so they were stretched out to do that. One crew was stretched out to do three crews work. So that kind of was part of it as well too. Uh, so it just it, didn't, it it made sense for us to, to go ahead and buy our canning line uh, when we weren't sure how things were going to happen financially with us. Yeah. Uh, to go spend you know, you know, you know six figures on a on a, on a good canning line. Uh, but that in a way kind of forced our hand into more of a, like a distro, uh, style brewery. Um, so I, we send out probably 300 cases a week, uh, to our local distributor, which goes into all our grocery stores and liquor stores down here. Um, uh, so the rest we ship out of state. Have, um, was that tank, your tank expansion enough that you'll be able to keep up with that and, keep your tap room supplied once you're able to have uh, actually i don't know what's it like in texas now are you able to have full yeah, tap rooms? okay yeah, yeah. That, the maryland's yeah. the same way now um yeah are you able to brew enough now to you can continue to do the distribution and supply your tap room or are you going to have to pull back on distribution a little bit uh no we're, we're, we're able to kind of you know have both going at the same time uh you know, first and foremost, we want to take care of our tap room because it's, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you make more money off your beer if you yeah. sell directly to a uh, consumer. A whole lot. 
So, uh, you know, and plus it's our, it's, it's the guys that you see in here every day or every week that are constantly coming in. And, uh, you know, you want to support those guys cause they support the hell out of you. Well, and, uh, so, and you, yeah. I mean, there's so many reasons. One, the, the financial, but then also the, you have complete control over the handling <laughs> of your product in your tap room. Like yeah. you build that community yeah. foundation. Like it, there's, there's a lot of pluses, but then like people who don't live there love whenever places distribute. Right, right, yeah. So I mean, like, we're definitely going to be able to keep up with both. I think that's why we're also planning on adding more tanks. Um, but uh, I mean, we're 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 back to being able to do the small batch stuff again. I think like right now I'm drinking pog sour. It's a uh, what uh, was it? Passion fruit or yeah, passion fruit orange and guava. It's got. I think they put glitter in it or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's what our Facebook post said, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it does have glitter in it." But yeah, like, I, just, I didn't get, do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we—that's a cool thing. Like you know, the tap room, like they're having a lot more fun now because we allow them to actually go back and grab base kegs or whatever beer that they want, and then they can doctor it up or flavor it however they want to, name it whatever they want to. Oh, that's really cool. I don't think. Yeah, that's, yeah. I don't think I know of anyone else doing we, that. Yeah. Well, but that's also how, so we don't have a pilot, uh, we don't have a pilot system. So when we, when I brew a batch of beer, it's one shot, one kill. Like it has to be good. Uh, otherwise we're, we're screwed. Yeah. So, you know, we'll brew a bunch of, you know, really good sour base or stout base or IPA, whatever the case may be. And then, uh, we let the, the tap room kind of fly buzzing. You need a bug uh, assault. Right. I have one that have I you, can't reach it. Do you, have you seen the new one? With the laser on it? No, there, there's one with that CO2 powered. Oh, I need that. It, yeah. yeah, I was I was brewing a collaboration beer earlier this week, and they got one. And it just basically vaporizes the fly. <laughs> I need I, I need that for the mosquitoes down here. That's mosquitoes are huge. Uh, but but yeah, so like we said, we don't have a pilot system, so it's really hard to do like small batch, you know, just strictly just you know like that. So we do it based off of you know one keg at a time, small batch stuff, and that's what we kind of use as R and D. Depending on what the tap room comes back to us and says, like, hey, this beer sold out like that, or this one was kind of hit or miss, or people kind of recommended maybe changing this or this, that's what we use as R&D. We use our, our tap room guests, basically, as our R&D department. That's pretty cool. So the, I saw, I think it was, like, literally just posted, um, some of the beers for the Tiki event coming up, where these yep. ones were these ones born out of the tap room doing things or were are these ones you just decided these are going to be good enough to do a whole batch of no so these 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 were actually small batch you know beers uh we did a tiki event not last year because covid the year before that we did one and it was a pretty big success so we just took those same beers that were like five barrel batches and we're making them you know 10 or 30 barrel batches now okay uh so that way we can you know spread that love a little bit more but yeah the tiki event's always a always a fan favorite that's a it's gonna be a good party um who is the nerd there or is it a culmination of a bunch of people and i ask that because no. there's a lot of very um i enjoy so i'm 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 calling you all nerds with love um yeah. like you have the teenage mutant ninja turtle themes the um the marvel themes like there's the star wars themes yeah uh i mean i think for the most part we're all kind of into you know 
iconic movies, video games. Uh, we also all really like to cook or bake or drink cocktails. So that's where a lot of like inspiration behind a lot of our beers come from. But I'd say probably the the biggest nerd here is probably Justin, the owner. Okay. Yeah, he's he's a urologist by day, uh, and then comes over to the brewery after uh, after the hospital uh, a couple of days a week. But yeah, he's uh, not only a nerd, but he's just he's got a really clever head on his shoulders, and that's where a lot of these cool ideas come up sometimes. He must be exhausted if he's also uh, coming and do, doing a lot of time at the brewery too after. Yeah, well, so for the most part now, I think he's pretty much shaved his time down to two days. And it's basically at that point, it's just production meetings and, okay. and stuff. You know, on Thursdays, he'll come in just to have a have a beer and see how everything's going. But uh, the other uh, brewery owner, Mike, he's here with me uh, every day, Monday through Friday. Then uh, we've got uh, we've got three really good guys in the back that either help with system brewing or cellaring, packaging, all that stuff. Um, let's take, um, one more quick sponsor break and then I have some questions that kind of relate to, um, what you had already said that you guys enjoy cooking and, uh, baking and stuff. Cause I think there's some interesting things you guys have done that, uh, I'd like to dig a little more into. So yeah, man. We'll, we'll be right back. There are many reasons why I have chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six-pack or take home a crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. So I don't even know if it's the first one you guys have done, um, and maybe it's not even the right term for it, but I've kind of always kind of wondered when pastry pilsners were going to become a thing. Um, and then I get in the mail from you a, <laughs> a, uh, what I'm just going to call a pastry pilsner. And I think, I think you guys may refer to him that as that also, right? Yep, yep, is, is that yep, the first sure one you've made or is the, have there been others? That's, that's the very first okay. one. Uh, 
yeah, that was a that was a fun one. <laughs> what, what, so who who came up with that idea? Was it you guys or Dewey, uh, or was it uh, just? I mean, it's a uh, it's a collaboration. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you sit there for about a month and just bounce bounce emails off each other back and forth. Um, and we wanted to do something that people just didn't think that we would do as a collaboration. Uh, so it's like, all right, either pastry, you know, pastry stout or fruited sour. Like, no, let's do like a pilsner and just throw, you know, let's make it a pastry pilsner. I haven't, um, I haven't tried it yet. Um, I can't in my mind figure out what it's going to be like, so I'm excited for it, but I'm also, um, are you familiar with Huffy? He does. Uh-huh. He does the glassware for 450 North, and okay. he's done some raw stuff too. But it's ba- like the fancy glassware. Well, he's made. Right. He recently started making Pilsner glasses, and I figured if I'm going to drink a, a pastry Pilsner, I need one of those glasses to drink it out of. So tomorrow, go. that's going to be delivered, and then I'll get to try. <laughs> Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Yep. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, again, I don't. I don't think anyone had something like that so we were all on board with it it's a churro churro vanilla uh pilsner <laughs> and if yours was um a regular as regular yeah. as you can call that um and dewey's was an imperial version right yeah i think theirs is like around seven and a half eight eight percent i think ours is pushing around five um did you catch flack for that because I feel like that's something that there were plenty of beer nerds that weren't happy about it. If I didn't catch flack for half the beers that I brew, <laughs> I'm, probably not, I'm probably not doing my job right. Uh, I do brew for Ingenious, but uh, I mean, yeah, man, it's it's uh, especially now with like how wide we cast our net. You know, we're not just here in Houston anymore. It's uh, our beers traveled uh, uh, pretty far and out. Uh, you know, you get uh, you know. Say out of 100 people, one guy complains or heckles you about it. Well, when it gets to, you know, 10,000 people, well, you're going to have 100 people that are going to complain. Yeah. So it's so it's just like you kind of take it with a grain of salt. You know, we get called Nickelodeon clown shit all the time, <laughs> uh, which, uh, which I completely embrace uh, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, people are still going to line up for our product. Uh, I'm still going to push the boundaries. Uh, you know, we're still going to habitually overstep that line and try to push you know the whole concept of what beer is supposed to be or what can be so i um i don't understand why people care what other people buy that's something i'll never and do you guys make uh, and i'm doing air quotes for anyone listening regular beer also we do yeah so Uh, so just buy that like if you want a genius beer and and you don't want a pilsner with a churro in it just buy the one that you do like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you ask any of our production staff in the back, uh, one of our fa- like they know that on days that I'm brewing our uh, our Citra Pilsner, which is just lightly dry hops American Pils. Uh, we love everyone here loves that beer and it flies. And we just we just distributed a, a, a ton of it. Uh, you know, brown ales, wit beers, you know, all that stuff. We typically always have on tap what is what do you consider the craziest beer you've made i don't i don't know about the one that that i've made 
I mean, we've made some pretty crazy, like 20 pound per barrel dry hop IPAs that just probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> uh, just because now with like process and all that stuff, I can just, man, I think it's just a waste of hops. But, you know, as far as flavors go, I, I kind of let the, the, the taproom staff in the, in the back of the house guys and then obviously some of the, most of the owners, the two owners, let them kind of have their say in what, uh, what flavors need to go. Uh, into a beer or what fruit needs to go into a beer but uh i do i will say this one of our taproom guys uh, uh did a chicken bouillon beer uh <laughs> i see your face <laughs> I, so i know so reason being yeah reason being chris is because uh do you know are you familiar with martin house no okay so martin house is uh, in dallas fort worth and here in texas i believe but they did a uh, a blue cheese beer and like a chicken wing beer and they do all kinds of okay. crazy you know crazy stuff like that and uh but apparently he tried the chicken wing beer and it just wasn't up to his standards it's like there's not even <laughs> chicken in it. it doesn't taste like chicken wings so he went and got chicken bouillon and tried to put it into a beer to make a chicken wing beer and i instantly told him to dump it down i endorse your decision (laughs) yes 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 yeah i um i i had recently um had a conversation actually i think it it was on well when this release is released it will be the the virtual festival that oozle finch had that was released last saturday the adjunct and beer trends panel i think it was a discussion during that um, where someone was saying that the savory beers are definitely a trend that is starting to grow, um, and that's not—I don't know if I can get behind that yet. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna find a brewery that can really nail it. Uh, it's just up to the breweries who yeah. fall. Who, it's up to the breweries who fall short to stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I guess it, it it's probably like anything like. Um, you know, in the early days of the fruited sours, there were a lot of really bad ones. And then once yeah. people figured it out and shared that knowledge, there are way, way more yeah, yeah. Uh, better yeah. ones. So maybe it is just it'll take someone to figure out how to do that in a way that it tastes good and then share that knowledge. Yeah, I'm just in my mind. Those aren't flavors that go together well i'm with you man i i like i'm not gonna lie i like you know hot buffalo chicken wings with a ice cold miller light i don't want my miller light to taste like chicken yeah (laughs) i don't want yeah they're 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 a group they're not a a single item it should never be a single i mean i'm even like i love spicy food i hate beer that has peppers thrown in it or just made spicy i i love fruit and i love pizza i don't think pineapple belongs on pizza heard that <laughs> heard that so <laughs> yep. and i'm sh- i'm sure at some point i'll be proven wrong but i just don't in my mind a savory beer doesn't work yeah i mean there's I mean, there's even styles like actual like just traditional styles of beer that i don't like i hate smoked beers uh I but, just had the same conversation. Uh, the episode I released today, we talked about how yeah. how garbage smoke beers are. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but I mean, I'm not gonna lie. If I go to a brewery and they have a smoke beer on tap, I'm gonna try it. I'm not gonna bash them that it's horrible, yeah. but I'm just trying to find the one that I actually like. Yeah. 
So I'm going to keep trying, keep trying, and keep trying. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's like to each their own, though. So if I just never find one, you know, then so be it. I'm not going to bash the brewery for brewing yeah. making a smoke here. I mean, people are free to try them. I'm just not going to. <laughs> and, until yeah. until I get told by at least 10 people how amazing it is right I ten, yeah. yeah they need references as well too yeah. I mean, references on how willier powell yeah. That is. yeah i need a list of other yeah. beers that you recommend <laughs> right what's your untapped username i'm gonna check yeah. all your stuff yeah. um what's your uh what is the one beer uh, and we'll we'll stay stay with ingenious since uh the, you said a lot of other people do the flavors um what's the one beer that you were like there's no way this is going to work but it ended up actually being really good uh we've got believe it or not we actually i just uh, this morning i was kegging a vanilla coffee cream ale um and i'm not a coffee drinker yeah I don't, I don't drink coffee, uh, but I, I had some while I was kegging it earlier this morning, and that's one of our rules. It's like everyone's got to taste as we go to make sure nothing goes out the door that nobody likes. Yeah. And I was like, this actually works. You know, and I hate coffee. So I was like, oh, this is good. It's subtle, but it's a coffee cream ale. It's weird how often people who love coffee hate it in other things. But then people who hate coffee like the flavor in other things. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I love apples. I hate apple pie. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, there was a there's a brewery in Baltimore called Full Tilt that recently came out with they have a fruited sour series called Dan's Jams, and they made one with two other breweries that had um, hot cinnamon candy and honey. Um, and I had told the owner several times, like, that sounds disgusting. There's no way it's going to be good. <laughs> and it, it came out. They, well, he was in full agreement with me because he also doesn't yeah. like um, uh, spicy be- or like just heat in beers. Um, and it came out and I tried it. It was actually really good and it worked. It should not have worked, but it absolutely worked. Well, some way. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't know until you try. So, but yeah, so red hots and honey uh, somehow taste good in a sour yeah. base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take your word for it. Um, what is uh, what is your favorite adjuncts to work with? Uh, we use a lot of a uh, lot of vanilla. Okay, uh, I think vanilla plays well with a lot of beers, especially with the. Uh, any of our pastry stouts, but also like uh, one of the last beers we did during the turtle release was the salted caramel, uh, and, uh, vanilla. Turtle, I think it was yeah, salted caramel was in that beer. That, that's fun to play with. Um, we use a lot of uh, it's a lot of strawberry, blueberry, blackberry. You know, typical stuff that a lot of breweries kind of already uh, tend to use a lot on their their stuff, but. Uh, there's, I have to think about it. I, there's one fruit that we get from one of our distro uh, that uh, I can't even pronounce the word. That's why I have to like figure out if my guys are in the back that they can <laughs> let me know. I'll have to get back to them on that one, but I can't even pronounce it. Every time I say it, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, uh, <laughs> it's pronounced one, this way, moron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So now it's just like, what's that one fruit that I can't pronounce? 
they're like, okay, yeah, let's add that to it. <laughs> Do you guys have a full restaurant at the no. brewery? Oh, okay. Where's all no, this food from? Uh, so we're taproom only, but we've got a mainstay of food trucks. That okay. Yeah. So. All right. Because the food, I apparently the food trucks in Texas are absolutely amazing. Because like scrolling through the photos on your Facebook page, yeah. like the food yeah. is amazing looking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got you know probably one of the most popular ones in Houston, Gastro Craft. They're out here typically Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you know all kinds of you know. Dim rolls, steak nights, awesome by, made in LA. But there's always a banging food truck out here. Tell me about the made in Texas beer. Is that a collab? Made in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, that's not a collab. That's just a uh, New England style IPA. Okay. Remember what hops were made in Texas? Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, know. Gosh, I can't remember the last collab uh, that we put out besides Dewey. I love that. Um, that label with the elephant and the hop yeah, so like all, yeah so it's like all things texas that are kind of in that elephant okay the axis deers like all that stuff it's all like texas themed stuff probably where, describe it better i have one in front of me <laughs> where <laughs> uh where do you draw your information your inspiration not information ins- another i so, word yeah. From. yeah yeah uh my yeah my perspiration yeah uh, <laughs> so the, yeah that that label was actually done before before i got here so that that's a, one of the og beers that that ingenious did but a lot of it comes from literally just us sitting there and during production meetings having a couple of beers and kind of just that's a lot of times a beer actually we develop a beer's name and label before we even develop a beer that was going to be my next question it. because that completely seems to be that because like the, the naming part is almost harder. Um, I've talked to so many breweries recently that said that they'll, they'll come up with the idea of a name and a label and then work backwards to build the beer to fit that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's literally, there's, there's six guys back there during our meetings who are having a couple of beers and we're all, you know, we all love beer. We all love hanging out together. And a lot of times it could be because like we were making fun of someone. And then like, that's gotta be, a, you know, we're going to put Mike, one of our owners uh, on a label coming up uh, where he's dressed as the, uh, the Rex Quando guy with the American flag pants. <laughs> we're going to, nice. yeah, we're going to call it. Yeah. So we're going to call it Mike Quando. Uh, nobody wants a roundhouse kick to the face while I'm wearing these kind of deal. <laughs> we have no clue what the beer is going to be. <laughs> But you but, just know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, there was a five-way collaboration I was involved in lately, or four breweries and myself. Uh, one of the breweries uh, put my face on the crotch of uh, the shorts that a raccoon is wearing. <laughs> yeah. Makes total sense. Uh, last year, that same brewery, and it's called, all, last year was called uh, Dream Team. Um, and, but the, the one brewery received a cease and desist from someone cause their can looked very similar. Although I would argue that that would not hold up in court because it's government property and, uh, the government doesn't trademark anything. Uh, so we changed the name to ultimate dreamy team. Uh, but last year the, that same brewery's label was the other brewery's 
uh, drawn as cartoons, and then my head was the basketball. So it's like nice. every year. I, I'm worried about what next year is going to be. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you see the one that we did for with Diesel Finch? No, I, I saw the pictures with um, Rachel, but I didn't see what the resulting beer was. Yeah, you'll have to look up James and the abnormally – normally average peaches <laughs> but i'm 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 on there as james and the giant peach yeah uh, and at the time when i was up there i actually had hair like down to my shoulders so i have like long hair and all stuff and uh we made each kind of character we made rachel uh like the black widow of the movie uh, uh what's funny though is we made justin the urologist we made him the worm uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of penis-esque <laughs> kind of deal <laughs> so so that was a fun one. Hey, let me yeah. off. That's gonna probably take me a lot of Google for that, so I won't make people listen to me Google. Um, right. So, do you enjoy the beer you make, like the super adjuncted sours and things, or are you the brewer that makes it because that's what your customers want, but you actually hate that beer? So I'll uh, I'll be completely honest with you. First thing that I brew for is a register. Uh, <laughs> as long as the register goes to Ching, I'm fine with it. But out of the probably 20, you know, four beers that we have on tap right now, uh, I wouldn't have a problem drinking any, any one of them. Okay. Uh, that's uh, that includes small batch stuff. Uh, but uh, like I said, I I, 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 st I stand behind our beer. I think it's really good. I think it'll hold up against a lot of other breweries out there. So. What's well, I mean, like, like I know plenty of other places like they they they're proud of what they're making and they think it tastes good. They just don't really like those styles at all, right. especially like right. the super heavily fruited sours is typically where, where that yeah. where that falls yeah. apart. Yeah, well, going back to that, like I said, like when I, you know, if our tap room or I mean our uh, our back of house staff production team. We're up here hanging out, having a beer. Uh, we're gonna grab our our pilsner. Yeah. So, um, do you have uh, future pastry pilsners planned, or was that a one and done experiment? How actually? So, how well was that received? People were uh, were were confused, but in a good way. They're like, <laughs> okay, it actually it actually does work. <laughs> uh, so, because originally the original plan wasn't churros. Uh, we wanted to do a rice crispy boy, so actual like rice rice crispy yeah. vanilla pastry. So I think we'll probably head back to that uh, drawing board, hopefully before the end of the year, and uh, see if we can knock out another one. Did that not work, or it did it just it just just, just within just within talking and communicating back okay. and forth with Dewey? The churros got thrown in there, and we're like, all right, cool. Well, we've got you know. Uh, Houston staple here that is known for like their foot long churros. So we kind of like got with them and they gave us a bunch of churros. To throw oh, in nice. It. Yeah. So I was like, all right. I, f I feel like you have to make the Rice Krispie Boy happen. And that, that's too good of a name to not use. Yep. I feel like you. Oh, that was. All right. Can you hear me now? I hear you now. Okay. I, I was just yeah. saying that. Like you have to do that because that's too good of a name to not use. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you heard it here first. 
Look for the next uh, pastry stout. I mean, not pastry stout. Everyone makes this. Pastry pilsner to uh, be Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> Rice Krispie boy. <laughs> I um. So do do you think that is a style that's going to catch on, and that other breweries are going to start doing it? Nope. No. <laughs> I mean, the reason being is it's like, because, you know, honestly, uh, one of our cheapest beers to make is our Pilsner. Yeah. It's just not a lot of ton malt in it. So why go and make it even like more that much more expensive by throwing in ingredients that just don't, you know, so that brewery might not make sense. Uh, we don't really have a, I mean, we've got an open credit line with our distributors when it comes to fruit, I believe, because we <laughs> order twenty to $40,000 a month in fruit. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I mean, though, with uh, smoothie seltzers becoming a thing, yeah, I mean, yeah. why? <laughs> I mean, we we've got so we've got sparkly boys, which they're more like along the lines of like a, a cotton candy style flavored uh, hard seltzer. Uh, I mean, hell, we've even started experimenting. I've I've got hop water on tap, so. Water, dry hopped water, and then carbonated through the through the roof. Super effervescent. Uh, and as of right now, it happens. We just did our first batch of it uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're just handing it out for free samples. People are loving it. So is it just the? Does it have just the uh, like the bitterness and the flavor of hops, or what? What is the taste profile of that? So on the, on the first batch that we did, uh, it's got lemon drop. Okay. So a little bit of herbal, citrus, lemony uh, kind of flavor. Uh, but uh, we boiled pasteurized water. Uh, came up with a kind of like, I don't know if it's necessarily proprietary, but a, a salt addition for it to kind of help the hops kind of stand out flavor-wise and aroma-wise. And then, uh, you know, cold crash to pull all the hop material out of it carbonated it to about 3.5 volumes so super seltzery uh and threw it on tap and people were people are loving it have you had one of the straight just smoothie seltzers from anywhere yet um i haven't i see i see them all over instagram and you know social media and all stuff where he's doing them uh i'm not gonna say i wouldn't wouldn't try them uh, they all look kind of i mean brilliant. it basically just like where you would say a fruited sour tastes almost like a fruit smoothie. A smoothie seltzer just tastes like a fruit smoothie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I'd imagine so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had one at at that festival. I mean, it was probably like ten o'clock, and there's no hints of alcohol in it. It's just like you just ordered a smoothie for breakfast. Right. Right. Yeah. So there might be room for the pastry pilsner. <laughs> you never know. I just, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I want to hurry up and be the first kid on the block. You know, that's that's. If it's gonna take off, at least I want to be, yeah. be known as uh, someone who actually knew how to do it. So I got that crispy, that rice crispy boy logger going, I guess now. What is what is your favorite style of beer? Logger, I love pilsners. Yeah. I, mean, I should just assume that's what the answer is going to be for any brewer. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, no, I mean, not, okay. So there's reasoning behind it. I mean, sh- shoot, I'm in 
I'm in Texas, bro. I'm in yeah. hot ass Texas. <laughs> it's currently. Oh, and I, I do have to. I do have to uh, correct you on your on your opening uh, uh, introduction. Uh, it's pronounced humble. Humble. It's I, yeah. silent h. I silent hate. H. I hate the English language. Why? I. Why do we insist on putting? <laughs> We are. We I think we were listed. I think I saw a survey probably like two months ago about the hardest city names to pronounce in the country, and it, we're on there. Nice. Everyone pronounces it humble because that's how it's freaking spelled. Yeah. Um. Well, my first thought was looking at it was like I don't know a lot about Texas, but from what I know about Texas, there's nothing humble about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 we we're we're very we're very. I even have a a, a, a charity series that I do called Humble to Humble. Uh, uh, so we're, you know, definitely, uh, definitely gracious, but I mean, as I said, it's, it's hot as hell in Texas. You know, it's, it's, it feels like it's 117 degrees outside. I want to, I want to lager. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there. People still come in here and drink these pastry stouts like it's water. I don't know how you do it, man. Is it currently super hot there now? Cause I know like there's parts of the country where it's practically unlivable because of a heat wave, but it's Christ. Uh, so right now it's saying 90, which normally it means it feels about 10 to 12 degrees hotter than that. I'm um, on Sunday. I'm flying to New Orleans, and I was worried leading up to now that it was going to be just completely miserable because uh, my only experience with Louisiana has been going to Lafayette for a job interview getting off the plane in October and sweating profusely because it was miserable. And then I went and decided to go there in June. Uh, but checking the weather, it's like only 80 there right now. So hopefully well, it continues that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope so for your sake, but, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't hold your, I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> we always, we always say in Houston, if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes. Cause it could start pouring down rain here any second. And, you know, we kind of describe it as like just take a really hot shower, don't dry off, put your clothes on. That's what it feels like walking around outside in Houston for about ten minutes. That um, that sounds uninhabitable. <laughs> you know, there, we, we we do get about a good solid like two weeks of good weather a year. Oh, well, so you just have to look forward to that. It's worth it. Or now, is that consecutive <laughs> or is that sprinkled no, out no, throughout no, that, the country? Yeah, that's oh, okay. sprinkled out. <laughs> so, but I will say this though, I've I've been lucky enough to have both breweries that I've worked for. We've got full HVAC in the brew house, so it's it's seventy three degrees. Right now. Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm I think good. you would probably die if it wasn't, right? <laughs> it would. Well, I mean, there's breweries down here that are just in warehouses and have roll up doors. Oh, jeez. It's got to get like close to one hundred and fifty inside there when it's that hot out, and then you've. Yeah. Got huge kettles, especially when you're reeling. A lot of those breweries, like they'll get into work at like 3 a.m. Okay, be able to, you know, so they can survive. So I could get in at yeah, I can come in at seven and be out here by three and still sweat my butt off and all that stuff, but not be, but not die from heat stroke. Uh, Right. Has a. So does that, does the climate there change? Because you were saying, though, people are slugging pastry stouts all all summer. 
does it slow that those styles down at all or people still just want their heavy uh sugar laden beers all year round yeah i mean i guess i'm the only one that's wrong uh, <laughs> uh but uh yeah i mean it's just like I said, people walk in here and they want a variety of pastry stouts they want a flight of all pastry stouts they want the heavy fruited sours uh, and they want the you know the nine percent double ipas hazy double ipas and that's fine but uh like I said, like I, I'm gonna stick with my pilsners. What is um, one brewery that you would love to do a collaboration with that you haven't had the chance to? Man, I've gotten this question a lot, and I think my, my answer is normally already changed because a lot of breweries that I've wanted to brew with, uh, I've gotten a chance to over the past you know, two years, whether it be like. You know, answer Oozle Finch. Uh, we just got back from Mississippi, room with uh, Southern Prohibition. Baskerville was here a couple of weeks ago uh, to brew with us. Uh, Burning Barrel, Dewey. Like there's this, there's a lot of breweries out there that are kind of like in the same wheelhouse that we're in uh, that we've already had the chance to. Uh, but so I guess at that point, what I would want to do is I'd probably want to brew with a brewery that is probably up and coming uh, and trying to get their name established and, and kind of try to see if there's a way that we could kind of help them, you know, blossom and explode as well. Like as much as all these other breweries have done yeah. for us. Um, I can make a suggestion to you then. One of, um, one of my favorite local breweries, they have, um, uh, it will actually come out today. Or tomorrow, I don't know. Whenever this podcast has <laughs> been released, sometime around there, they will have also just come out with a beer with Dewey. Uh, Four okay. Score Brewing in Gettysburg is making okay. amazing beer. They're two years old, um, and they they've collaborated with several of the those same breweries. But they're definitely they have a name for themselves, but it just it keeps growing. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, shoot, Simmy's. Uh, Send me some of their beers or some of their in their contact info, and we'll come up there. Yeah. I haven't been to Maryland. I'd love to go to Maryland. Right, there's all kinds of well, yeah. You got to come out there. There's all kinds of good stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Hook it up. Um, but that they they would be and Kush was here. They also do a lot of collabs in that same uh, that same group of breweries. I think. Um, they probably well Garrett actually he did, he wasn't at the festival long but uh four score was at the festival so we, they okay. they were down at Oozle Finch nice yeah I was really hoping to get back up there and I think that Christo's our tap room manager she's the one who has the the mouth on her yeah the, all the tattoos yeah <laughs> who gave you my card uh, but yeah her her and Christy went up there but yeah man it's a lot of breweries, uh, you know, refuse to do it because they feel as though some of their, you know, hidden talents or secrets might be revealed to other breweries. But at the end of the day, uh, I think just the camaraderie between breweries and just a single brewery is following alone. If it's big enough, it's going to be able to withstand any other brewery yeah. kind of duplicating anything. So, I mean, at this point now, the breweries that I just all listed, we're all doing the exact same thing. But, I mean, everyone loves each other. That's, well, that's, that's what that's I mean. To, to me, it seems like it just elevates all of you because yeah. you, you, like, you may have what you think is some proprietary secret thing, but you're missing 
a piece that this oh, other brewery oh, yeah. has. Yeah. You you put your knowledge together, and then both of you have elevated your product. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, whenever a, an email comes across uh, for a collab, whether it even just be like a virtual thing, let's just you know do it, whatever. Or if it's hey, you want to travel? I love traveling. Uh, we love stretching our legs and getting out of town. Uh, and we love having other breweries in town. Uh, we tend to kind of always roll out that southern hospitality and red carpet and. We'll feed you and water you and all that good stuff. <laughs> and we'll looking you. looking at the Facebook photos, uh, the food will not be disappointing. No, it will not. No, it will not. Never is. Even Baskerville. Baskerville came down from San Antonio, you know, three and a half hour drive, and uh, he wanted barbecue. So he was like, there's there's no good barbecue in San Antonio, apparently. But we took him to like one of like the top eight in Texas, and he was like, damn it. I want to live in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, I would. It was canceled last year. There's a, a conference that I was going to go to in Austin, um, and it was then. Uh, it's going to be this November. Um, so I'll probably be coming down for that. But growing up in the Northeast, where everything's kind of close, like so, you, like I think, like oh, something in New York. Yeah, I could drive out to there. And so like, I forget about like once you get to the center and to the south. That things aren't even remotely close to each other. So I was thinking like these other places that while I was in Texas, I might check out. And I look and it's like an eight-hour drive. from. <laughs> so I'll let you know. So uh, I live – so Humble is probably considered northeast kind of Houston. So outside, But I live in southwest Houston. So I drive an hour to, to and from work every day. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> And I'll also have you know, so we drove, we went to Southern Prohibition in, in, in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, that's uh, from Houston out of Texas through Louisiana into the east side of Missouri. That was a shorter drive than what it would have taken us to drive from Houston to El Paso. Yeah, it's just insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I crossed three states, three states in seven hours where El Paso is about eight and a half hours from Houston. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, living my entire life in different places of the northeastern part of the country like everything here that you want to go to isn't that far away <laughs> yeah i mean if we got up there and it was like oh let's go here and you'd be like oh man i don't know about that it's an hour and a half away i'm like dude I'm, I, I that's my trip to work yeah. let's go <laughs> so that's when i get a chance to like listen to podcasts and all that stuff that's my quiet time you know i've got a wife and three kids at home so I enjoy my my hour long commute. <laughs> no one's asking you to do anything. No one yelling, "Daddy!" <laughs> right, right. What um, what do you have coming up that you're excited about? Uh, besides the tiki event, like I said, like that that's always a a, a pretty fun event. Um, we've got we've got some collabs at the end of the year that I'll probably hold off on. I'm saying, but it'll put us back out on the East Coast. Um, uh, that, that, that's always a, a, a big thing for me is, is getting out of town and hitting these breweries up. But, uh, man, for the most part, I was just glad to finally actually be back open 100%. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. We've been open, we've been open for, for about probably a month and a half, I think, fully. Uh, but you still have some stragglers. A lot of us are already all vaccinated and all that good stuff. But you know, just to 
get back to normal in normalcy is uh kind of what I'm, I'm aiming for. I'm also aiming for like seeing like uh like end caps at grocery stores with our beers on it finally and all that stuff. After only about six months in stores, so yeah. I um one thing I'm not happy about is that there's traffic again. Yes. I got so used to there not being traffic. And like it was just even I live I think six miles from my office and I haven't moved my studio back to the studio in my office yet. So I, I was in my office during the day and then came home uh, for this and it's like seven miles away, I think. And it took me almost a half hour to it. Cause it just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's, it was, it was kind of, I guess you could consider, uh, consider me an essential employee because, yeah, during the whole shutdown, we were still trying to brew because we were able to sell door, uh, beer out the back door uh, to go. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was taking me 40 minutes, but now it's about an hour to hour and 10. With okay. traffic back. School just school just got out, so it kind of dropped it back down to about an hour, uh, no more. But, uh, yeah, man, it's – I learned I, – I, I guess I'm just immune to it. I learned how to deal with traffic. Like I'm, I guess I'm a very, very patient person. <laughs> well, it's your quiet time, so you just yeah. it gives yeah. you a little bit more quiet time. <laughs> like I, yeah, yeah. I'm, like I'm not one banging my steering wheel or honking horn. Yeah. Like I get, I get in the lane that I know I need to be in when I get, you know, 40 miles down the highway. Yeah. I just, and I just stay there. I just stay there and just go, just go straight hit the brakes. That's all I gotta do. I just got really spoiled of not having to factor in traffic time at all. Like just looking, I have to go this far. It's going to take this long, no matter what. And then, yeah, I've done okay. the complete opposite. Two jobs ago, the job before Whole Foods, I was uh, I ran a homebrew shop uh, in West Houston, uh, and I was able to ride my bike uh, five minutes to work. Okay, and now I drive my car an hour and fifteen. What's a uh, when I um. When I first moved to Maryland, it was for like the way I found a place to live is that I just looked for the closest place to my office. So I was the same way. I lived, a ha- I think it was a half mile from work. It may not even have been a half mile. And then, then I worked like in, the same as you. I had an over an hour commute. So at least now I'm back to sometimes a half hour commute, but it's just going seven miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, so uh, you mentioned the homebrew shop. That was a question I completely forgot to ask. How did you get yep. into brewing? Uh, I, I wanted to stop paying breweries bills uh, from all the beer that I was uh, buying. Uh, I think that was probably, if I'm here, two, three, uh, that's probably five years ago, six years ago. Uh, probably three years to four years prior to that. Uh, at the time, my. Uh, now ex-wife uh coming up on my birthday asked me hey uh pick up a hobby what do you want to start learning how to do uh brew beer it's actually her idea you want to brew beer you want to start you know get more into like smoking meats because we all love to you know grill and, and smoke you know briskets and stuff down here yeah and i was like well i was like looking at a you know looking at a, at a smoker so the smokers you know thousands of dollars a good smoke so a little homebrew kit right here is Two three hundred dollars. So I guess let's, let's do that. It's cheaper one of the two. Uh, and then from there, I uh, at the time I was looking at a graphic design uh, 
office. Uh, doing that, so I was able to, you know, homebrew a lot. And then uh, a homebrew shop opened up where we were living. And I started to, uh, going part-time on the weekends there to, to, to work. Uh, from there, that's when, like, the homebrewer, you, you, you start entering competitions and doing all this stuff. You start winning awards. And then you start brewing at, you know, local breweries around town uh, just to kind of help out or apprentice and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and after, you know, about four or five years there, uh, two locations with the homebrew shop, uh, I finally got an opportunity to be an assistant brewer, and that was at Whole Foods. So I did that for about a year and a half, and then the head brewer from there actually went to B52 uh, in Conroe, uh, which is here, this north of Houston. Uh, then I became the head brewer at Whole Foods. Okay. Yeah. Your first home brew, how did home brew? How did it turn out? Uh, I still have a bottle of it on my shelf. Uh, I'm not going to open it. It probably yeah. open. It probably it probably likes be a plague if I opened it. Like we would all, <laughs> uh, it was like an all extract like amber ale, uh, and it was it was horrible. But it was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as as everyone is good because you know, I don't have to tell you. I don't have to call you a liar. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say it like it's true. Uh, but uh, I, I when I worked at the homebrew shop, it's funny. I always told people who came in to get started. They're like, well, "What if it's bad?" I'm like, "Well." Keep in mind that one of the steps in brewing homebrew is you have to drink homebrew while you brew homebrew. You don't have any homebrew right now because you haven't done it yet. So the first batch is going to suck. <laughs> but you have to drink that homebrew on your second batch. And as you go, it continues to get better and stuff like that. So you know, my next batch was, a, like I think it was a Sierra Nevada Pelo clone. I was like, oh, my God, I can actually drink this. This is actually pretty good. You know, friends liked it, and they came over and drank it. And the rest was history. I always um, homebrewed with people who were experienced at it. So actually, my first ones were weren't undrinkable. Uh, yeah. The first one, it was just, it was undercarbed was the only problem with it. Um, but the I was always with people who knew what they were doing, so I never uh, made anything horrible. And then I yeah. just was yeah. like, you weren't allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then it just got to the point where like you know what, uh, these people do a much better job at it. I'm not going to do it at my house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I get asked that question too. Like, oh, yeah, you're still homebrew, right? Nope. Yeah, like it's not It's not really as fun when you do it for a living. <laughs> yeah, it's like a mechanic with a crappy car or the landscapeman who doesn't have like this yard cut. It's yeah. Like, oh, do that crap when I get home. I just did it for eight hours. Yeah, I'm lucky enough that there are breweries that let me come and pretend to be a brewer with them. That that's how I <laughs> I get to do it that way. <laughs> yeah, yep. well, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And then yeah, I can do awesome. as little or as much work as I want to towards it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't want to work, just like hold your camera up, like oh, I'm just documenting for the show. Yeah, <laughs> playing solitaire. Well, that's what I love. Like I've I've been at breweries where like they were doing collabs with other breweries before, and it's almost always like the head brewers uh, of those two breweries are just hanging out drinking while the assistants are doing everything. (laughs) And then they just uh, talk about how much they love collab day (laughs) because yeah, yeah, because it's actually an off day. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I don't have to do shit. Uh, I mean, well. I get, at, at answer, I actually I, I grain I, I grained out, so I helped them grain out. Uh, I was like, I got it, I got it. Uh, that's because my assistant brewer wasn't there yet. 
<laughs> uh, but we went to Southern Prohibition. Like a lot of their stuff was uh, was, was kind of automated. But yeah, we're, I mean, we're kind of just you know. But that's what's fun about it. You know, you know. <laughs> what I tell the guys in the back is I would never ask you to do anything that I haven't done a thousand times already, or wouldn't do myself if you weren't here. Yeah. Uh, as long as you keep that mentality, uh, we all kind of keep ourselves right at the same level, no matter what our title or position is. Um, and we're all there to kind of help each other out. So uh, even when it comes time to, to collab, you know, like I said, they know that like I would be in there doing it if you weren't here. So, um, What is your favorite current uh, hop to work with? Mm. Or is that even applicable? Yeah, man. So like the last couple of beers that we've had come out, uh, I've got some like Nelson in there. I've got, uh, I mean, you know, like our house hops for Citra Mosaic. You know, that's that's not something to get too excited about. But uh, we've actually got some fresh Galaxy in that I'm looking forward to using on this next uh, New England IPA we're brewing next week. Strata seems to be the new Galaxy, at least Strata, around here. Yeah. yeah, Strata's getting up there uh, in, in a good way. Uh, I enjoy brewing. Uh, we do a beer called Adult Icarus, which is a quad hazy IPA, and it's got Sabro in it. Uh, and it's just really kind of crazy to to, uh, to taste a beer that has coconut flavors in it without having coconut in it. Yeah. Uh, so that that that's uh, up there. We use a lot of uh, Ella Vic Secret uh, Galaxy, but you- I think probably. The next, the next, the next big hop I'm actually looking forward to use is freaking Czech sauce because we're getting ready to brew a Bohemian pills. Nice, and it's not going to pastry it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you do you use much uh, cryo or oils, or do you stick with pellets and? So I'd say about ninety five percent of our hop uh, usage is cryo. Okay. So and that's what we're all kind of contracted through. It's just you know. Uh, kind of double dosing with half the amount of uh, vegetable matter that kind of builds up at the end right there. So that's kind of the, the easy way to go about it. Why, why do you think more breweries don't do that? Cause it, I mean like it does seem to be like all upside or is it, what's the downside to using cryo? Well, I think, I don't think there is any downside. I mean, besides if you want to pay like your upfront cost, cause it is a lot more expensive than your T nineties. Uh-huh. But I think if a brewery probably necessarily isn't going towards cryo right away, probably because if they're actually contracted underneath T nineties, because okay. you do contracts for four or five years necessarily, you know, Citra wasn't necessarily available to cryo form, you know, four years ago. So a lot of, you know, hops weren't, weren't available then. Uh, we dabble every now and then with the oils, but for the most part is we're actually using just straight cryo hops. Okay. That's it. That's it kettle that's in dry hop that's in all that stuff is there a idea for a beer that you've had kicking around in your head that you just haven't done yet well i know that's not the answer you wanted yeah well it's i mean it, it it seems like you get to just like if you have an idea for beer that you get to just it do it yeah <laughs> so i'm trying to think what's on the board in there. there i know that there's 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 beer well like i say like the coffee cream now there's beers that they they say that they want to try to make and i'm just like Ugh. there's there's more like that than than the than the like, hey let's try this because that's normally always like okay yeah go ahead and do it or let's go ahead and do that uh 
do you have core beers or are you always rotating through so, single releases? Yeah. So that, that's like, not, not to say our, our downfall, uh, but our, our business plan, uh, as far as, uh, scheduling of beers is, is not, uh, for the faint of heart or weak of wallet, if uh, <laughs> you will, uh, because we don't have, we have beers that we brew, uh, yearly, but nothing that you're going to be able to come in every week for a year and see the same beer on tap. Yeah. So that that's, I think we're starting to see a pull away from that to where we're going to actually have to have some actual core brands on tap constantly. Uh, that's what, that's but, something I've, I've heard more of lately is that core beers are moving more than ever. Like, like, like through over over the past year that that there was a huge growth in sales of core beers yeah and i, I contribute a lot of that to COVID and the whole shutdown thing yeah. uh, except a lot of those core beers you're going to have guess what you're going to have contracted hops uh, contracted yeast contracted malts uh so you're kind of stuck to doing that as as uh you know as opposed to going and buying expensive hops and expensive fruits and all that stuff to put in the beer that you're not sure if you're actually going to be able to stay open for another two months uh, so core beers, I take a shot to the roof, but I see a pull on us as the same way with not just the tap room, but even like in our outside distro, like, Hey, we need more of this beer. We need more of this beer. Like for the most part, we try to keep a six and a half and an eight and a half percent IPA on, but they're always different hops, different yeah. techniques. So one could be a West coast, one could be a hazy, uh, but it's getting to a point now, especially even also with our, with our pilsners that because the are like, Hey, we want more. We need to keep making it. We need more. Um, so that's going to be one of those deals where it's like we're going to have to kind of like sit down and be like, okay, from here on out, once every four weeks, we've got to brew this beer. I wonder, is it distribution that's pushing that trend maybe? Because be. so so many more breweries that had the same same exact business model where they, they had no plans for just having beers that they brewed constantly and doing just one-offs all the time in the last year bought canning lines started and were forced to go into distribution more and distributors are the ones kind of forcing that yeah. core beer i i totally agree with that dude uh i think one of the things that i probably could probably have some like insight on is the fact that the cost of a barcode has gone up so if you have a barcode or upc on a label um, that store like I know, I know. Like the as far as our chain of uh, events go in Texas, so I, I still to a distributor. They come and pick it up on a Wednesday. Uh, by the time the stores actually get it, it's the following Wednesday. From the time they get it, if it is a new UPC, it's the following Wednesday. So it takes time. So what yeah. happening is, and that delays from that delays the distributor from getting paid, and then that then delays you from getting paid. So what a lot of breweries, what I'm assuming are wanting to do is stick with one solid barcode, and that would potentially be a shave core, off a week. That would be a core brand, and yeah, so you're getting it. You're, you're giving it to them on Wednesday. It's in stores on Wednesdays. It's on shelves on Thursday morning. Okay, so it's a lot faster. So, but what we do is we kind of kind of go around uh, that whole circle, uh, the little loophole right there is by doing we do. Uh, a lot of our barcodes are like uh, just generic uh, seasonal barcodes. Okay. Or like a so, series kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be like, you know, it's ingenious double IPA. 
That means it could be six different I, double IPAs that we brew. Yeah. The thing is, though, they can't have any existing double IPAs on the shelf. So it does kind of, you know, turn a bit like that. So, and we also plus started, we just started going to six packs. So like our, our loggers are in six packs now. Um, and then our big pastry stouts are now in four pack, 12 ounce cans. Yeah, so, I did uh, notice that you do switch, yeah. you switch packaging up actually a lot between yeah. bottles, 12 ounce and 16 ounce. And it, yeah. what uh, what's the thought process be behind what you decide <laughs> to put in which vessel? Right. So all of our IPAs, uh, you'll always find those in 16 ounce cans. It's not very hard to drink a pint of uh, 6.7 or 8.2%. Yeah. People typically prefer to drink a pint of that. Um, the, 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 the loggers or pilsers and all that stuff, you don't necessarily want a four pack of Four pack of sixteen or uh, sixteen ounce cans looks weird. A six pack of twelve ounce cans looks like you could go in like a, like a macro style, you know, lager beer, easy, yeah. thing, all that stuff. Uh, the reason behind the pastry stouts now going into four pack of twelve ounce cans as opposed to sixteen is because as a consumer, uh, seventeen ninety nine looks better than twenty four ninety nine on a four pack of beer. Yeah, and I twelve ounce. I would agree that um, twelve ounces is a, a better amount too for it is this. That, yeah. yeah, it's that perfect. It's, it's that perfect amount too. So, like I said, we we were talking about that here in the brewery. It's like, you know, whenever someone comes in to order a pastry uh, pastry stout, we don't even sell it to them in a sixteen or pint. You know. Yeah, it's always in a short pour, or it's going to be in like an eight or twelve ounce tulip. Yeah. Uh, so it just made more sense to let's replicate that because that's what people want. Uh, but like I said, at the end of the day, it's 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 just like perspective. Even though it's the exact same cost per ounce, it just it's more appealing to the consumer to see a four or seventeen ninety nine as opposed to twenty four ninety nine and kind of push it off to the side because it's just you know it's twenty five bucks for a four pack. What the hell? Are um are there many places in Texas doing six packs of sixteen ounce cans? Now, besides, that, like your macro, like your Miller Lights, your Bud Lights, you yeah. see those tall boys, six pack. That's it. There, that's a growing trend, at least in um, for like that state, like Pilsners or Loggers, like craft breweries in this area. Or and it still just looks so weird. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, good thing, you have to be able to remember too. You have to be able to fit onto a certain space on a shelf. Yeah. So if you're changing up the whole like schematic or like. Of how they need to lay their beers out, they're can, just gonna say no. <laughs> they could be like, no, I can't fit it on my shelf. You got six pack, sixteen ounce cans. Like, who the hell's doing that? And they're not gonna put you next to the middle light cans. Yeah. So, but that that seems to be in this area a growing trend of, and I I, I wonder if that's there. There aren't a lot of breweries in this area that are switching can sizes, um, yeah. and I don't know if that's just because from having canning lines that can't be switched or if they just like the the time of changing the everything that has to be changed out to go between a 12 ounce right. can and a 16 ounce can so i know so my canning line is a six head counter pressure it's a cody canning line. okay uh six head counter pressure which is like they're the only ones who actually 
do a counter pressure as opposed to like the dip tubes that come in and purge yeah. the can, raise up, move them over, then yeah. fill. You, our, you guys our, got the big boy one. Yeah, ours <laughs> will actually fill the can, yeah. purge it with CO2, then fill it, then purge it again, and then finally lifts and goes and gets seen. Um, it takes me about 15 minutes to switch between 12 to uh, 16, vice versa. Okay. So there are days where we actually have, we try not to do it like that, but there are days where we have to stop in between a run for brewing or we're canning two or three different beers to swap out. But a lot of those canning lines out there, uh, a lot of the, the, the big name or uh, big name brands, uh, it's all, it's a whole day to swap over between sizes. Yeah. So, so that, that might be a function of why that's happening too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Plus also like, I mean, if you have a really good lager there, like at, I mean, it's really easy to crush 16 ounces of it. So yeah, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So, um, so I think that's uh, I think I've covered everything I wanted to ask you about. Is there any interesting tidbit that I've missed out on asking you? No, I mean, I just know I had to correct you with the, with the humble, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as we do with everyone who flies in, uh, when you when you fly into Houston, uh, you know for you know you or any of your listeners, uh, make sure you fly into George A uh, or uh, George Bush IAH Airport. Uh, that airport is across the freeway uh, from us, so we could be your first and or last stop in Houston. Um, we get it all the time, almost you know every weekend. People walk in with uh, with their luggage, their carry on bags, so they just landed at the airport. But let's say we're. We're 10, 15 minutes away from the airport and at George Bush. So I um I've only been to Houston once and it was a layover for my flight to Lafayette. And it was the first time I was ever on a um small plane and I was trying to figure out what the hell they were doing with me. Um because we went through the the breezeway or whatever the, the walkway down the steps onto the tarmac and then got on this tiny little like two row prop plane to fly yeah. to Lafayette. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, so, I mean, you're going to, that's, what's cool. Like, you know, I, uh, I over here across the street, you know, we're, we're an international airport. Uh, you know, we got, you know, KLM triple deckers flying over like planes, planes fly probably a hundred yards above the brewery. Oh, wow. land across the street. That's yeah. how close we are to the airport. Yeah, uh, like we even have like a no drone fly zone. Like if we want to have someone come out and do like drone footage, you have to the, get clearance and go to the uh, yeah the, the TSA or whatever it is uh, <laughs> uh, across the street. Like hey, we're gonna be fine. If not, they're gonna come here and shoot it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's crazy. But uh, but no, man, uh, this has been fun. Yeah. Um... Thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to uh, try the pastry pilsner. I really enjoyed the um, Christy had some of the mango mutagen with her okay. at the festival. Yeah. That was really good. I enjoyed that because I love mango and beer. Um, so do I. The um, the other ones, like, there were three versions she brought. I think the a double dry hop, the mango, and what was the other uh, that one was space. That one was the papaya blueberry. Yeah, that one was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it was that was yeah. really good. Yeah. And then the uh, the turtle power was the stout. Yes, I had some of that. I don't remember it though. 
That's the salted that... caramel one I was talking to you Because yeah. <laughs> that one, if I remember correctly, it was like, what, 14%? Is... Yes. 14%. <laughs> yeah, and that was yeah. after um, the a long evening of uh, cooking out and drinking with all the, the participating breweries. Yeah. So it was... Heck yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. Yeah. Make sure, yeah, hey, make sure you put a segment in there, too, about how I totally goofed yesterday and uh, left you hanging. I apologize for that again. Oh, man. well, I just won't <laughs> cut it out here. So people will know now that. <laughs> in, yeah, in, I, I, stood, uh, I stood Chris up. I it, the thing is though like I don't even get mad or even remotely upset about it it happens all the time I just know that like things happen in a brewery like it just yeah. and like, yeah. I just sometimes people aren't able to get away so it's yeah. a, that's why I was that's why it's like hey you just want to reschedule no big deal <laughs> well I'm glad we got it knocked out man I definitely appreciate it and uh anything else unless give us a shout yeah, well, um, so let, let's wrap up here, but stay on because I still have stupid uh, questions to ask you. So, so thank you for your time answering the serious ones. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. You'll have to go on to Facebook or YouTube or my Instagram account to watch the video of me just asking um, James stupid stuff. So uh, cheers, everyone. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.